Welcome to the boldness. My name's Phineas Meir. Joining me in this, joining me not in the studio, but remotely is Raphael Colob. Hello, Raphael. Yes, the barologist is in the house. How are you, Finn? I'm well. You're in your house, and I'm in my house, and we've got a guest. We've got a guest. Sure, we've got a guest as well who's in their house or their back. Backyard by looks, but anyway, um, the boldness it is all about waiting for some. Not well, the boldness is all about grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. And it is a Wednesday evening. Thank you very much for your company. So coming up on today's show, tonight show, even we we. We've got a very special guest. Who we who we got, Raphael? Well, as I said, the barologist has been doing some research. We're coming up to the time of the year for Melbourne Comedy Festival. It is very appropriate that we interview a comedian called Andrew Lewis. Welcome to the Boldness Disability Current Affairs, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Just say if uh, our, our our language might get a little bit little bit fruity, so if that's not your your thing, uh, come come maybe yeah uh, maybe come to our maybe uh, listen to our next show. Anyway, uh, back to our back to our special guest Raphael. Now I said Andrew, we're talking about comedy. How did you start in comedy? It was a bit of luck. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was, uh, I was doing a Kentucky tour of New Zealand and I met a girl there who I ended up going to see in Queensland. She was listening to another radio station and now promoting raw comedy. And I just said flippantly, I think I should enter that. So I did. Um, and I won my heat in Frankston at an Irish pub, which is very fitting for Frankston because there's probably two Irish people in the whole of Frankston. But yeah, and I just kept going. Like, I kept getting connections and, uh, you know, even the second gig I did, there were people backstage giving me numbers and names and stuff. And I've been going ever since. Like, I've had breaks in between, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly all I've ever done. <laughs> right. Now, when, you, when we're talking about, like, this is all you've ever done, so life is a laugh or is it a way of uh, managing anything? Oh, it's both. So it's uh, but it's mainly managing because I really first discovered that I could really do it when I was a kid and my mum passed away, and that was my immediate reaction was to 
not so much joke about her dying, but just make jokes of the situation and, you know, to lighten the mood sort of thing. And I just never stopped. Like I, I, it's gotten me through mental health struggles and also good times of my life. It's, uh, it's honestly a good coping mechanism because it distracts you. So it distracts me so that when I'm having a bad depression, for example, I'll make people laugh and that distracts me from, you know, feeling depressed. I see now is that let's talk through this actual journey. You competed at uh, National Royal Comedy. You won your actual heat. Yeah. You started to develop things. But what's your, what's your material like? What, I mean, what, what's your content? Uh, it's, I don't do one-liners. I'll tell you that much. Because <laughs> you have to re- remember about a thousand jokes for five minutes. But, I improvise, so like I'll go, depending on the, I suppose, venue or what the audience is going to be like, I'll have, I'll go in with one opening joke and then make it up from there. It's really like, I'll have a link between the start and the end of the show. I know there's comedians who like to do controversial stuff just because it's controversial rather than funny, Uh, but I'll, I'll cover anything I can within the rules of comedy. Okay, now that's a really hot topic there, Andrew. What are the rules of comedy? Well, it's, it's, it's honestly the same as real life, but on stage. <laughs> if you, like, say if you went to the pub and you're meeting someone for the first time and you were just talking to them about what they did or anything like that, there are certain things that you wouldn't openly discuss because it may offend or even if it might not offend, you just don't discuss them. It's, it's kind of like it's not political correctness. I don't think that's the thing. I think it's just being a genuine, real, respectful human being, like, you know, to make fun of things but not upset people. Look, that's in the, I'm going to actually take you up on this, Andrew. Is that, <laughs> no, seriously, is that to me, comedy and the political correctness, as a person with a disability, with Asperger's syndrome, autistic, language is my yeah. thing, that's almost an oxymoron. How can we actually reconcile... Um, the two, I believe they're poles apart. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think it's an interesting debate because I've heard people say political correctness is new, but like as in that, I, I feel like it's, it's a, for me, whether it's political correctness, politeness, manners, or anything like that, I don't, my, look, honestly, my comedy isn't out to, uh, I don't insult people. I don't even hint at insulting people or anything someone's living with that I know nothing about or whether I know something about it or not. It's a really, it's hard being a comedian in that respect in that you, you may have an audience of 100 people and you've kind of got to accept that maybe one person's not going to like your comedy. But then it's hard to, it's hard for me to accept but it does happen that you offend someone uh, without that. I mean, it's hard to say, but not with your intention, but like that you learn from it. Because I know that there's there's like comedy where people are going to offend people and they'll get told that they've been offended or they've offended someone and they continue with that same angle. But for me, I don't like, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> oh, look, it's okay. We get, okay, to describe your comedy, it sounds very much... That it might be, let's say, 
the school of Jerry Seinfeld, it's situational then? Yeah, it's 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 situational, it's observational, it it's adapted like because uh, I found that when I was doing scripted comedy, if it was a five minute set and I, I had five jokes on a theme, the first joke doesn't work and I'm like, well clearly the next four aren't gonna work because it's the same topic. So I learned that it's better to for me to adapt to survive, I suppose, on stage. And if the first joke doesn't work, just think on your feet, think of something else, see if that works, if it doesn't. Kind of like the dartboard where you're just sort of finding the sweet spot for the crowd and then you just go with that angle sort of thing. Right. Now, as part of gaining your experience in comedy, doing the improvising, yeah. so I want to um, flesh out how this may actually have developed that from winning your heat at National Comedy and developing your networks, yep. did you actually start just getting experience from, let's say, paid gigs or was it the hustle of bringing people up or did you go through and do things like open mics and busking? How did you gain your experience? I started off just doing five-minute spots. I'd drive from Mount Eliza to North Melbourne to the Comics Lounge and do gigs there and parts of Melbourne. But then I had about four years roughly of depression where I, I couldn't – it was really bad. Like I couldn't even make a joke about anything. And then I got back into it and I started doing volunteer radio and I went to TAFE. I went to uni, got a degree, did all that sort of stuff. And then I got back into it a few – oh, maybe two or three years ago. And it – it was kind of like it was a light bulb moment. I just thought back to when I was at school and when I was about 11 years old and was just doing kind of like a half-hour set of improvised comedy for my friends, and I thought, why don't I just do that? Because I can't remember anything. So even to remember five minutes was hard. So it was really only in the last two or three years, excluding last year, that I found what I was good at in terms of comedy. Right, now let's cross over to Finn. Andrew, you mentioned before struggles with mental illness. How has how has your comedy uh, informed your? Um, well, how has comedy helped you share your 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 struggles with mental illness, or, or led to people having greater understanding of mental illness? Honestly, it's been from the psychiatric ward right out to the public <laughs> because if I, I, I do the comedy, like even when I'm sick in hospital and getting treated by doctors and there's nurses and there's patients, obviously because it's a hospital, but uh, yeah, it, it helps. It's my way of therapy. So to talk about my experiences is my therapy as well. So um, it's different to when I see my psychologist and it's all serious, but it helps me grow and it helps others grow because if we're sitting in a group therapy session in hospital, Everyone's like, it's not really like the room for comedy, obviously, but I still manage it because I don't do it to make fun of the situation or make anyone's pain funny. Well, because you can't, funny. I do it because it helps me mentally with my mental health and it, at the same time it helps others. So in stand-up I do the same thing. I'm not constantly talking about mental health in my stand-up, but it is a thing that comes up and it's to educate and change because that's my way of affecting change in societies through comedy. 
Right, Sean. Now, Andrew, have you performed at Mad Pride? No, I, I, um, I'm only just been getting into that. Uh, I, funny you mentioned that. Oh, funny, yeah. Uh, I read. I was on a website. I think yesterday or today, looking that up. Yeah. Right, is because with the like the name of your show is Emperor Love Comedy. And it is produced by Hardy Everett, who does yes. have a long association with mental health and was part of, I think she was the producer of Mad Pride in 2019. Oh, really? Now, is it has, like, how did you actually find a producer for your show? It was through Jackie Pillar, who I've known, I don't even know how long I've known Jackie. But they, um, I reached out to Jackie not that long ago and said, I really need a producer because I've got no idea what I'm doing. And they put me on to Heidi. Then I met up with Heidi. And Heidi's fantastic. Like, I, it's that insight that obviously from years of experience, but also because Heidi's a pretty smart person. So it's, that's, that's how I got involved with Heidi. But so thankful for it. Right. Well, let's actually give a call out to a fellow comedian, Jackie Pillar is also a comedian as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, I should have mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. And and there's that Heidi Everett has done stand-up with Mad Pride in 2019. Now, that's a very, very good note for us to actually play some station announcements. Then we'll, straight after the station announcements, we'll be going into our guest review called Loz's Stars, and then we'll be continuing talking with Andrew Lewis about his show, Emperor Love Comedy, which we're playing at Melbourne Comedy Festival. The Commons Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. During October, the Commons Library is running a crowdfunder to help keep its collection updated and free to the public. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit www.commonslibrary.org. Commons Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. where Loz will give reviews of movies or TV shows on or at the cinemas or streaming on your digital devices. Hi, this is Murdoch and Loz, panellists on The Boldness, and this is Loz's Stars. Hi Loz, what film are we reviewing today? Roll With Me, a documentary about Gabriel Cordell, who plans to become the first person to push a regular standard wheelchair from Los Angeles to New York. Produced and directed this movie. Filmmaker Lisa France. 
Tell me about this film. Gabriel becomes a paraplegic after his Jeep is T-boned at an intersection by a person who runs a red light. He is thrown from his car into a telephone pole and breaks his back. Gabriel has been taking drugs since he was 13 years old and becomes a full-blown addict on coke and ice after his accident. At the age of 42, he decides to quit drugs and he does it cold turkey. He decides to do something extra special motivate him to come clean. It's when he decides on this extraordinary journey. It is 5,000 kilometers, 2,000 meters elevation. He puts together a support crew, seven friends, all with various drug and mental issues. One of them is his nephew Chris, who is a user and has just come out of rehab. Gabriel thinks Chris will end up in jail, or dead if he does not. Join him in this journey. What else do we learn in this movie? We see the trials and tribulations of his trip through 13 states. Bad roads and freeways and good and bad weather. Dangerous downhills and the agony of getting over. The Appalachian Mountains. He meets so many great and generous people on his journey, including many in wheelchairs. The film ends with his triumphal arrival in New York. 100 days later, it is a confronting, inspirational story of determination, physical challenges, hope and courage. It changed not only his life, but every member of his crew. So what did you give it, Luz? I give it 8 out of 10 stars. It's really worth watching. So where can we see this, Luz? Streaming on Netflix. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lodge's Stars. Welcome back to the Boldness Disability Current Affairs on the 17th of April. My name is Rafael Caleb. We have got Finmi, my co-host, and we are talking with Andrew Lewis, comedian extraordinary about his upcoming show, Improlove Comedy, playing at Melbourne Comedy Festival. Now we're discussing comedy. The connection was with Hardy Everett. Now, you connected with Hardy Everett, who's the producer of Improlove Comedy, around mental health, do you think it would, has it been beneficial or would it be beneficial that if you're doing comedy or a show that a person, that you have something in common with the producer? It's hard for, speaking from just the experience of this with working with Heidi, I would say yes because like even with my mental health issues, like if I had a producer that didn't understand that or had no knowledge of, or knew knew I had those struggles but didn't really care, then that would be an issue. But I think I, I, I can sort of see the point that you, you may not need to have, well, I don't know, like you would have to have something in common because if you didn't like anything about them, then you wouldn't work. <laughs> right, well, look, that's actually one aspect of it. But let's say 
I'm speaking as a person with a disability. And yeah. because people with a disability generally encounter ableism in the community, yeah. as a yeah. person with a disability, Andrew, would it be advantage, advantageous as a person with a disability to have a producer or a support team around you that also had a disability? Oh, yeah. Like, I get what you mean now. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, I live with bipolar and ADHD, which even my friends don't really understand and my family don't understand. So it's it's more than feeling happy and sad. It's more than being indecisive. It's an everyday thing. And I definitely agree with you. I think that if you have a shared lived experience or, you know, the, the disability, even awareness, you definitely need that because it's, I mean, I can just draw, draw on like years of working in the real, or not real world, but like hospitality, where I've never, I never had an employer who even tried to understand what my life was like, and they just saw it as calling in sick or not reliable or something like that. So I totally agree that, it, especially not just in comedy, but just in life. Like if you have someone around you who knows what it's like. Okay. Well, as I'm going to give you. A double-barreled question, but I'm going yep. to break it into two parts for you. Yeah. The first one is that in mental health, there was the peer support worker program a number of years ago. Would you believe that would be beneficial to people to help them look at mental health for what they wanted to do? I don't. I don't know of that program. I. I think. But so, is it? Is your question like, would I recommend that for someone? Or, well, is it? It's a double-barreled question. If you allow me to yeah. give me the second part of it. Now, the reason that I've actually asked that question specifically is because the peer support per, worker program. Studies did show that it was very successful, at, and I'm not yeah. too sure if it still runs anymore. But more importantly, from a creative perspective, where you've mentioned that it's having a connection or someone that may understand what's actually going with on with, let's say, depression and ADHD, that Theatre Network Australia has been running a program looking specific, I think it's called the Independent Producers, Victorian Independent Producers Initiative, where they try, they're getting people with a disability involved because people with a disability are underrepresented in entertainment to mm -hmm. address that so that people with a disability may not feel as intimidated or offside by having someone who doesn't have a disability to work with? Oh, my God, I, 100%. It's, uh, I've worked, I mean, again, like in not just hospitality, the number of industries, I see the arts as, that's obviously an industry too. That You're right, like there's such under-representation. Like it's not even, I wouldn't even think 10%. Like it's, it's that I, I think that the, the peer, peer workers that I've like in, in uh, places I've stayed at or mental health, facility sort of thing that I've been involved in it's like that instant connection where you don't need to it's it's not like a look or anything but like you just know that they get you because 
they've been through a similar or the same experience. And as an employer in the arts, I don't understand why people with disability aren't included in the conversation, even a lot of industries. And it's, I think that when I say people, I mean people with a disability think that they, they see the word disability as limiting, like that the disability means that you can't do this and you can't do that. But we can do a lot. <laughs> like you, you don't, uh, honestly, like, like if you've got a, a brain and you're a human, you can do stuff. Like it's, I like with what I live with, I've, I'm constantly told, and it's not in direct language. It's not like you can't do this, you can't do that. But it's implied that I can't have a full-time job or part-time job or I can't go to uni. I got a degree with ADHD at the time that wasn't even treated. I didn't even know about it. I don't like any conversation or action that says that we can't do stuff because we can. Well, is that that's a very good way. Have you got a very quick question there, Finn, because we really need to wrap up? Where can, where can people where can people see comedy, Andrew? Where, where are you playing? It's, it's on April 10th. Uh, at Trey, it's called Trey Bickery, but I call it Trey Bickery because I can't do accents. It's at six two three Rathdown Street, Carlton North. You can get tickets at Try Booking, and doors open at seven o'clock. There's some food and drinks on for everyone. That's included in the ticket price, and the show starts at nine o'clock. So it'd be great to have only thirty tickets. So I'm hoping to sell it out, and it'd be great to have as many people as I can. Fantastic. And we'll, we'll, we'll put those details up with the. With the podcast, won't we, Raphael? We certainly will. Now, is that I'll just repeat that for our listeners. Andrew Lewis's show is called Emperor Love Comedy. It is showing at Tre Bacare at 623 Rathdown Street, Carlton, on the 10th of April. It is part of Melbourne. International Comedy Festival. We've been talking with Andrew Lewis. Thank you very much for your time, Andrew. Thank you, and thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Talk us to the show, Ed. Thank you. And thank you very much. We will be back on the 31st of March, and we are looking to do an interview around Growing Up Disabled, a book that was released earlier this year. It was about growing up with a disability. Thank you. Keep listening to Completer by Lovely. Goodbye. And if you don't think the revolution has started, you're listening to the wrong station. This is 3CR, Voice of the People. Thank you very much. Oh, well, she's gone, took the dog to write a song, that's what I'll do. Honey, I miss the dog more than you, oh, I've got some peace at last. Rufus was the black dog's name, he wasn't fierce, he was real tame. Unlike the missus, a fiery dame, oh, I've got some peace at last. Happy that she said goodbye 
Happy she's left the house Yeah, we didn't see eye to eye Fought like cat and mouse She took the CDs and left Lenny Cohen And Bob Dylan, the wind's still blowing Tonight the beer will be flowing I've got some beats at last Take away pizza and I'm well fed No more cold feet in the bed I get on the dinner instead No, I've got some peace at last Happy that she's left the house Her tongue was always wagging We didn't fight like cat and mouse More like George and the dragon She's out of my life She was like a squeaky cog Glad she's no longer my wife But I really miss the dog Eight and night will be real fine Watch the footy on Channel 9 Have that extra bottle of wine Oh, I've got some Peace at last Got some peace at last Got some peace at last